If you've got your Bibles, open up to Isaiah 58 as we will talk about reasons for fasting part two. And uh, I know when we talk about fasting, oftentimes people wonder why. Why do people fast? And so that's what we've been going over. Last week we talked about several different reasons why we are called to fast. And today we're going to talk about four more. Uh, But I often think about that passage in Zechariah 7, 5 where he asked the question, was it for me? And God asking a serious question, did you really fast for me? For me, was that the reason why you were doing it? Or are you doing it just for tradition's sake? A lot of times we don't realize that fasting is such an important avenue to enter into the throne room of God, to seek his face, and to basically get the answers that we are so desperate to find. So tonight we're going to take a look. In Isaiah 58, and we're also going to look at Matthew 9 for a portion of it, but four reasons for fasting. The first reason for fasting is for answered prayer. Look with me in verse 9. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am, if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, and putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. Thou shalt call, and the Lord shall answer. I wonder... How many times you have sought for God to answer your prayers? And oftentimes we think that the simple simplicity of it is I just just have to ask. I just need to ask God for this answer to prayer. I need to ask God to to help me understand or ask God to to give me this, this thing that I'm praying for so desperately and not realize that fasting can be a part of that. A lot of times we sit back and we think, well, you know, I had a brother one time, he come up to me and he goes, I want you to pray with me about this because he he said the Bible says that if two agree upon it, God will do it. I was like, really? Where do you get that? He goes, I've always been taught that. A preacher was preaching that one time where two agree upon something. I thought, man, that's awesome. I'll pray for you about yours if you'll pray that I get my Lamborghini, all right? Where two agree, right? But that's not what Scripture teaches at all. It doesn't teach that at all. In fact, the, the Bible teaches us that when we pray, we ought to pray like Christ. In Matthew 26 and verse 39, where he says, not my will, but your will be done. In fact, we find that in Scripture, that if we pray with the desire for God's will to be done, then guess what? Our prayers will be answered. John 14, verses 13 and 14 said this, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, some people will take that scripture and they'll say, well, that's why we add at the end of every prayer in Jesus' name, because we're praying it in his name. Well, no, what he's talking about there is asking in his name means you're asking in the abilities of Christ. In other words, you are asking as if you desired Christ's will for your life. If you want it done in his name, then guess what? You're not going to pray for something outside of his will for your life, are you? So, again, it's all about praying in the will of God. If you don't believe me, there's several other scriptures. John chapter 15 and verse 16. It says this. Ye have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, verses 23 and 24. He says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Look in 1 John chapter 5, 
1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Here's the truth of the matter. Do you realize that a lot of times the reason why we pray, we're not praying to change God's heart. We're praying that God will change our hearts. You see, when we're praying for the will of God, guess what? Oftentimes you'll say, well, I'm, I'm praying for a brother. You know, I, that, this person really hurt me. And this person, you realize that who you should be praying for isn't just the brother, but also yourself, right? You see, oftentimes we think, well, God, you need to fix so-and-so. And God's going, no, I need to fix you. You see, we need to be praying in the will of the Father because God is telling you what he wants done in your life. That's like the person that sits in a church service and says, oh, I wish so-and-so was here so that they could have heard that sermon. God had you here so you could hear that sermon, not somebody else. You see, that's the issue. A lot of times we want God's will for other people's lives, but not necessarily for our own but when we fast, we are literally falling on our faces before God and seeking the will of God in prayer that God might change us so that we're ready to receive whatever God has designed for our lives. See, it takes sacrifice. Oftentimes we don't realize, but God is wanting to give us direction and understanding. I love this passage in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Asharis, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in desolation of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Why did he do it? He wanted to understand it. Daniel needed understanding. Yeah. You ever thought that the reason why you don't understand the word of God is you haven't asked God to give you understanding? The Bible says if you lack wisdom, to ask God and he'll give it to you. God's desire, uh, oftentimes people will say, you know, I really want to know the will of God for my life. Well, let me just ask you a question. God wants you to know his will. And you want to know God's will. Then if those two things are true, why is it hard to find it? God doesn't play hide-and-go-seek with his will. God doesn't set it over here behind the piano and hope that you'll snoop around and eventually fall into it. In fact, the truth is, is God's will is available for anybody who seeks after it, who truly seeks after it. God will reveal it to them and show them what he wants them to do. But you've got to really want to know the will of God. That means you've got to be willing to allow God to change you so that you can be in the will of God. But it comes through fasting. I'm going to tell you, man, sometimes fasting is not easy. It can be very difficult. In fact, one of the first things that happens when you start fasting is your mind will start messing with you. You realize that? When you start fasting, the first thing your mind will tell you is you need some food. And you need some food now. And if you go a little bit longer beyond that, guess what happens? You might even start to get a headache. Because the first place it wants to mess with is your mind so that your focus won't be on God. 
Oftentimes people don't realize that when they fast, the best thing that they can do is when they begin to feel those hunger pains or those headaches is to take that time and pray and seek God's face at that moment because that is a time where you're being tested to break it, to get away from it so that you can stay in the will of God. Seek his face and you will find his answer. I promise you, God, God is not acting like the guy who's driving the cart and he's dangling a carrot in front of your face and it's like the horse that they're, they're the horse is pulling the cart, but he never seems to reach the carrot. That's not God's desire for you. God wants to reveal his will to you. God wants you to know what his will is. But you've got to open your eyes to see it and open your ears to hear it. That's what it's going to take. So the first reason for fasting is to get an answer to prayer, to have understanding from God. Second reason for fasting is guidance for life. Look in verse 11 of Isaiah 58, where it simply says this at the beginning, and the Lord shall guide thee continually. The Lord shall guide thee continually. I'm gonna, I'll tell you, many of us, we sit back and we kind of want the exodus kind of direction of God. You know what I'm talking about? We want God to give us that, that cloud during the day that we just follow behind and then that pillar of fire that we follow behind at night so that we know exactly where God wants us to go. I, mean, I, I almost wish that the way it was is that we could just see footprints and we're just supposed to walk in those footprints and it, it guides us all the way around. But unfortunately, that's, that's not what we have. We don't have that cloud and that pillar of fire and we don't have those footprints. What do we have? Well, we have the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, do we not? We have God's guidance. We have God wanting to direct us. We have God wanting to show us, wanting to open doors for us. I love it in, in Judges chapter 20. Now, it's interesting that you can find really anything good in Judges. I'll just be honest with you. It's a very rough book, a very rough book of constant sin and constant misery. But in Judges chapter 20, they decide to fast because they want to know who is supposed to go first, who's supposed to make the first attack. And so they seek God's face. They want God's direction. They want his guidance. You ever thought about this? The simple fact of the matter is, is God is the one who opens and closes doors. Does he not? Revelation 3, verses 7 and 8, if you don't believe me. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I've set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. If God is the one that can open the doors then why aren't we praying to him and seeking his will and seeking his guidance for him to open the right door? I'll be honest with you. I'm the type of person that when I pray, God has to be absolutely clear. I don't know if you're like me, all right? If, if I come up to a, a split in the road and I see that there's two directions I can go in, I will pray. This is, this is how I pray to God. I'll say, God, I need you to show me the path I'm supposed to go down. Because if you give me a choice, I will pick the wrong one. If you let me decide, I will make the wrong decision. So I need you to make it abundantly clear. You close the door that needs to be closed and open the door that needs to be open. And I'm not going to move till you show me. Now, I wish I'd have been like that the first church I went to. All right. I worked in a United Methodist church for five months. That's how long I lasted. All right. When I got there, I was fresh out of college, and I came up and I was talking to the pastor, and I said, I said, hey, 
I said, I, don't, I know y'all are looking for a youth pastor, and, and I just got out of college, and I'm looking for a job. And I said, man, well, how, how about we get, you know, let's talk about this. And so we sat down, and we talked. And so I asked him, I said, now, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't know much about the United Methodist. I'm, I've always been Southern Baptist. And, uh, and he goes, oh, man, we're like this. I didn't know. So I was like, okay, sounds good. I said, well, here, let me go pray about it for the next couple of days. Give me three days. Don't you love that? <laughs> Give me three days, and I'll come back, and I'll tell you. And so I went, and I prayed, and I heard nothing. For three days, nothing did I hear from God. So I went, Nothing means go, right, Lord? I, I took it. It didn't take but one day before I realized I made a mistake. One day. Now, please, I'm not putting down that denomination. Please understand that. It's just when we got together and that pastor, he actually taught the youth series that night. He taught the very first one. I was hired, but he taught the first one. And he asked the question, he said, where is Judas? Where did Judas go? Did Judas go to heaven or did Judas go to hell? And all the youth in there said, oh, Judas went to heaven. Judas went to heaven. Judas went to heaven. Judas went to heaven. And I was sitting there going. And he's going, guys, I think you make some great points. I'm looking. I'm waiting. That all you got? I went. He goes, yeah, John, do you have something to add? I went, "Uh, Judas went to hell. (laughs) Um, Scripture tells us he's the son of perdition. And so He's in hell. He's the son of the devil. And that's exactly where it went. Even though he was sorry for what he did, he, he was wrong and he didn't repent. He was remorseful. And there's a difference between repentance and remorse. And that's something we need to teach in the churches. There's a difference between repentance and remorse. And so I said, so Judas went to hell. He said, let's pray. We had a meeting the very next day and he goes, how could you be so adamant about what you believe. And I said, because Scripture is so adamant. And he goes, and so I said, hey, our youth want me to teach the book of Revelation. And he goes, I don't think that'd be a good idea. I said, why not? He goes, because you're over here and we're over here. I went, in two days, we went from here to here. But for what reason? Because, if I'm honest, I really didn't take the time to wait on God to open the door. Had I, had I waited, there was another church that wanted me. But I had already accepted that position, and I missed out. And it happens. It happens if you're not careful to wait on God to open the door, and you open it yourself. I had a pastor friend one time. He says, man, if a door doesn't open up, I kick open a window. I don't want to jump through windows. I want God to make it absolutely clear. But not only do I want God to open doors, I also want God to close the doors that are important for me not to walk through. In the book of Acts chapter 16, it's exactly what happened to Paul. It says, now when they had gone through Phrygia and out of the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they came to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mycenae came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man in Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Two times Paul was forbidden to go to a certain place. Why? Because God had a vision. God wanted him to go somewhere else. Let me tell you something. If you're seeking the face of God and you're praying and you're fasting and you're trusting that God is going to open the right door and close the right door, then trust me, he will. He will. But you got to wait. And I'm going to tell you, man, waiting is probably the hardest thing to do. Patience is not my virtue. I'm telling you, 
that drive to Watertown every day. And you get behind them dudes doing 40 and a 55. I said, Lord, I didn't pray for patience, so please move them up the road. But waiting is so important to trust God to open the right doors and close the others. When we're looking for answered prayer, when we're needing guidance for life, and when, get this, number three, when we need spiritual feeling. Verse 11, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. We can fast so that God will fill us spiritually. Isn't it interesting that one of the Beatitudes is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When you hunger, God will fill you. That's the interesting thing. When you're, you're talking about hunger and fasting, and how can you talk about the two things at the same time? Well, because when you're going without food, there is some food that is greater than physical food, and that is spiritual food. And man, he will fill you up like you have never experienced before. In fact, when the disciples were being appointed for ministry, they wanted to seek the face of God, and guess what they did? They fasted. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manane, which had been brought with Herod the Tatriarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. fasted for what purpose to to make certain who it was that god was sending on the mission do you ever think that you ought to fast before you accept to go on a mission trip i'll be honest with you the the first mission trip we took first four mission trip i ever planned we were going to a place called iguazu falls brazil now you hear the word brazil and everybody wanted to sign up right now, they weren't thinking, and in a lot of ways, they weren't thinking about the mission. They were thinking about the trip. And we tried to explain that, hey, you're going on this trip. We're going to be spending time in the slums, and we're going to spend time in the... And we're going to have one day where we actually go out. We're going to have nine days where we're actually in the slums, and we're in the market, and we're witnessing, and we're sharing with people, and there's going to be only one day where we go sightseeing. And to tell you the truth, we had a lady that went on that trip that had no business being on that trip. She and her husband were having marital issues, and she brought it along with her on the trip. They didn't come together. She came. They separated. She went on the trip. He did not. And man, let me tell you something. When you're not in the right spirit, you can ruin a trip more than bless a trip. And unfortunately, in this situation, oftentimes we don't think to to figure out whether God really is guiding us in that direction or that we're filled to be used in some capacity like that. But man, these guys, they fasted to make sure that Paul was going to the right place. Paul wanted to make certain he was doing what God had called him to do. So Paul took away, and not only Paul, but all the elders of that church said, we're going to fast for this time being because we want to make certain who it is that God is calling to do this mission. So if you're ever looking for spiritual feeling, if you're ever wanting to make certain that God is directing you to some divine appointment, 
some mission, fasting would be very good for you. Final one we're going to look at is for the coming of the king. Look with me in Matthew 9. I like this one. Verse 14. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth under an old garment, for that which is put in it fill up and taketh from the garment, and it rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wineskins in the wine, old wine bottles, else the bottles break and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. You say, well, what do you mean that we fast for the coming of the king? Well, look at verse 15. Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away, and then shall they fast. Why will they fast? Because the bridegroom is gone and their desire is for him to come back. How many of you really, really long for Jesus to return? I mean, it's easy to say it. It's another thing to pray for it. It's another thing to fast for it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I look at the way things are going, and I'll be honest with you. Let's just be honest. How how many of you in here is thinking, you know, some of you may be saying, well, man, I want to get to that point where I see my kids get married and and they have grandkids, and those are some things that I would like to see. I mean, some of y'all are probably saying, well, there's, there's still a few trips I'd like to take before Jesus comes back or a few things that I'd like to see happen. But how many of us really want to see Jesus return? Now, let's be honest. I, I, I pick around. I, I, I noticed that uh, when I was growing up, it seemed like the older the pastor was, the more he preached on the rapture. <laughs> the closer it got to his time, he wanted what? He didn't want to die. He wanted it to be taken up. But here's the truth of the matter. I mean, I I look at the way things are going. I look at the way our country is. I look at the way our communities are. I look at the way things are going, and I just think to myself, Lord, it would be so sweet if you just went ahead and come on back. Even though I got a lot of things I'd love to see, but, man, let's just be honest. Can the things here on earth even come close to comparing to what's up there? Not at all. I think of Paul's words, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Do we really long for that? I just wonder if you've ever fasted for any of these reasons. To be honest with you, most people, when I have preached on fasting, there's very few that have ever fasted, or at least ever fasted for a biblical reason, or ever fasted in a biblical fashion. So when we think about this, my prayer and hope and help you is to understand why we should fast. That it's not just something that was for the Old Testament. It was something in the New Testament. something that we still need to participate in. If we're seeking an answer from God, if we're needing direction for our lives, if we're needing wisdom from God to understand portions of Scripture, if we are needing God to open doors to guide us in the right path so that we go down the right direction and not the wrong direction, and so that we need God to fill us up and to anoint us and to speak to us and show us the way if God wants us to do something great for His glory and His honor, Honor and then also for his return. I wonder, have you ever fasted like that? If not, my prayer is that we will. My prayer is that we will begin to get on board with God's plan and God's desire and God's direction for our own lives.